thank you so much for joining me today. Today I have Catherine Hayes on the show with me. Catherine is a mum to three children and also a fully fully qualified financial advisor. Catherine was on the show with me in episode four and we talked about everything to do with insurances for single mums. And today we're going to talk about all things to do with savings and budgeting. Hi Catherine, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No worries, thank you very much. Well, all the feedback I got in relation to that episode was very positive and listeners were saying that it was very helpful. And for those that weren't insured, it made them realize the importance of getting insured. So thank you very much for that episode as well. Oh, that's great. So I'm going to jump straight in and talk about budgets and creating a budget. So what is the purpose of a budget and why is it important for us? Um, Well, I guess, you know, a budget is, you know, really important because, it allows you to know what is actually possible and it stops you from getting into trouble as well. <laughs> so um, the best way I like to think of a budget is, I don't know if you've seen the um, the movie Confessions of a Shopaholic, but there's a scene where Isla Fisher, you know, she's avoiding looking at the <laughs> credit card statements, <laughs> you know, has a bottle of wine, it's kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid. So um, in short, if you don't have a budget and you ignore your spending patterns, you can kind to get to that scenario and putting a budget together it's kind of like having a tooth pulled or ripping off a band-aid it's you know it's not a pleasant process that you wake up going yes today's the day I'm going to do my budget some people do and they're very special and I applaud them but <laughs> but generally it's it's not the process that you look forward to and it can be really quite confronting yeah for some people I guess it's quite a bit of a shock to actually put everything down on paper Absolutely. So, you know, usually what I suggest to people is find a couple of good tools that can work for them and, you know, set aside an hour, you know, pour yourself a glass of wine and, um, you know, pull up a couple of bank statements and just start putting together um, a budget. There's lots of tools out there um, and, you know, one of, I have my own one specifically I use with clients, but I usually suggest to people, a great starting place doesn't cost anything is you know ASIC's Money Smart website. They have a free budgeting um, Excel spreadsheet which you can tailor for you, and that will also prompt you to look at expenses that might be, I guess, infrequent or you know may only happen once or twice a year, as well as your everyday stuff that you're probably more aware of. And yeah. that will give you a really good idea of you know where your money is actually going because um, a lot of the clients I talk to you know, they have this idea of, you know, they, they do underestimate their expenses and they really do wonder where their money is going, you know, each pay or each month. Mm. And I guess once we have it all down on paper, we can work out if there's anything we need to cut out or... Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you get your budget, um, let's say it's, you know, 95% of the way that, you know, you've covered most things and um, you might overestimate, you might underestimate, and that's just by road testing um, the budget for a few weeks. But um, let's say you put your budget together and at the end of the week, month or year, you go, okay, well, I'm, if you're in the red, well, obviously you need to know that that's great because it's stopping you from getting into trouble. You can address that pretty quickly and adjust your spending if possible. Um, or if there is a little bit of money left over, you know, that's great and you're, you'll either be happy with that or you might go, you know what, I really want to get serious about my savings and, you know, maybe start investing or something along those lines. And if you're not happy with what's there, um, once you've identified your expenses, you can go through and say, well, you know, is this expense, 
you know, vital to, you know, who I am, you know, what I want to be doing. Um, and that way, yeah, you can really start to see some serious money and going through these tools, you can actually see that impacting your budget and moving it to an area where you might be more satisfied with where it's headed. Yeah. So tracking it is also quite important then. Mm. Yeah. So a budget is usually quite a static tool. It just gives you the foundation of what you should be aiming for. So, and actually living that budget, well, that's another skill in itself. Um, So, you know, some people will simply do the old school, you know, they have cash envelopes for, um, for each expense. And that's very effective because, you know, when the money runs out, it's, um, it's, it's gone. Um, but most of our budgeting is electronic these days. So we have a lot of direct debits and, and cash only really forms part of that. So, um, one of the best ways to do that is to either, you know, have an app which allows you to track receipted spending or using, um, using a few different accounts and allocating your money electronically that way. So I guess the modern version of the cash approach. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that's probably the hardest part is sticking to the actual budget once you've, you know, once you've worked out all your incomings and outgoings and you've adjusted it and stuff like that, actually mm. sticking to it if you have like a spending <laughs> allocation, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, well, um, usually where people go over is either because they didn't, um, I guess, there was something wrong with the numbers in the budget to start with. And then rather than viewing it as a setback, it's a key to go, okay, well, let's just update the budget, make it a little bit more realistic, or it's purchasing things that simply aren't in the budget. Um, So, and, you know, life isn't about, you know, we don't want to be fun police. Life isn't about not having any enjoyment whatsoever. So when it, you know, I mentioned having an account for different expenses, what you can do is, you know, for example, having an account where all your pay may go into, and this is kind of, this is called like a bucket approach. Um, And from there, anything that's an automated payment, like, um, you know, home loan or rent, um, you know, mobile phone and any subscriptions that comes out automatic via direct debit monthly or less can come out of there and they're not going to change too much. That's a good Um, idea. Yeah. And from there, that's where you might pay for things that you, you know, you need to use a card for. So whether that's food, fuel, things that relate to the household. And then you could have three other accounts is usually what I suggest to people. And one of the first things I suggest is have some me money. So that would be an account where you have money, even if you get paid, you know, monthly, fortnightly, weekly, you could it doesn't matter. You could have money transferred from your main account across to your, you know, me time account. Um, And for that, you would only have a direct debit card. So no credit cards allowed on that one. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, you've got to obviously decide what's possible and, you know, what you want that to be funding. But for most people, that's things that they really want. But at the end of the day, you don't need whether it's takeaway coffee, lunches, you know, going to the the hairdresser, X, Y, Z amount, you know, all those different things. Yeah. Um, And that gives you some guilt-free money, which is really good because, uh, you know, you probably know when when you've got a lot of expectations on you, especially as a parent, usually you're the last person on the priority list. So having that money is really important. And by knowing you've got some freedom to spend money, it usually makes you better at sticking to your budget in the, you know, in the other areas. 
It's so true. I always forget about the me money and I don't like have it in my budget. I must put it sort of allocate something for that because I always end up going a little bit over Mm. what I anticipated. And it's because of that, you know, those little things that you buy like coffee and you know, and then you know, do you feel guilty about it yes. afterwards? And then I have to take it out of my savings account. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. But, you know, I don't want to have credit card debt either. So yeah. I really need to allocate myself some money. I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you've got to, yeah, you've got to do that. And, you know, and the best part is that being able to spend it without the guilt associated yeah. to it, knowing that that is what it is there for. Because we live with enough guilt already as mothers, really. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you've got those two accounts. Um, yeah. And then usually I suggest, you know, um, two more. One is for your big bills, the bills that you don't have to pay every month. So that could be things like, you know, your car registration or servicing of a car. Um, it could be body, you know, body corporate fees or, you know, rates and utilities, those kind of things. So usually you just you know, transfer money regularly across to that account, work out your annual expenses and, you know, maybe add a 10% buffer because bills go up so fast. Yeah. And um, if you can, kick it off with a balance because the last thing that you want is, you know, to just start this off being really motivated and then all of a sudden, you know, your car needs new tires and there's a couple of bills and there's not enough money in the account. So if you can, it's really good to be able to build up a buffer first. Yeah, that's a good idea. And... That way you don't get that lumpy cash flow in your bank account and Mm. um, there should be enough money there to cover those big bills. Yeah, I like it. And then the last account, um, that's for your savings. Um, So that could be saving from, you know, rainy day fund. It could be a holiday that you really want to go on. Um, If you're leasing a car or or something along those lines and you've got a balloon payment, you know, that's coming up in two years, you know, rather than falling into a trap of constantly packaging cars because you want to avoid that balloon, making sure that you actually do that. Um, Things like that. It's, um, you know, a really way to balance all the different areas of, you know, your financial commitments and, you know, looking after yourself. I like that. So with my budget, I've got sort of accounts as well, but I've got them, I've got them set up slightly differently, but I might change them because I like, I like the way that you've done it. I've got like um, a Christmas account Mm -hmm. because I don't like having, I always end up spending so much money in December and November and it totally throws out my budget. So Mm -hmm. I just put it in a little bit each fortnight and that way at the end of the year, I'm fine. Um, And I have another account for holidays, which I put in a certain amount every fortnight so that that's for my weekends away. And like, you know, when my daughter and I went to Fiji recently, things like that. So I don't have to, so I can go on a holiday and it's already sort of, I've been paying for it as I go. Mm, Absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of people do tend to put those unplanned expenses like holidays, even if they take holidays every year, somehow, sometimes it can be unplanned in the finances and, um, and of course, you know, you might put it on the credit card and when you come back from that holiday, you know, that kind of leaves a slightly sour tang on the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. better to, you know, really enjoy it knowing that you've, you know, you've got that money there and it's covered. So that's really fantastic that you're doing that already. Um, thank you. And so the other two that I've got is the savings one, um, mm. which, yeah, I mean, I was using that really as a sort of I wanted to buy an investment property next year now that I've been made redundant it's more of a rainy day fund (laughs) but that's all right um and the fourth one is my daycare fund Mm. because as everyone knows daycare is so expensive Mm. and 
usually you get a sort of the childcare rebate, 7,500 allocated for the year, but it runs out very quickly if your child is in daycare for, you know, over three days. So mine usually runs out in February, I think it is. Mm. And then rather than paying full fees for those final few months, I just make sure I've worked out exactly what the total is for the entire year, divide it into fortnightly payments and put it into this fund so that I'm paying the same amount all year round. Yeah, so it's levelling out your commitment to what you've got to cover, which is which is perfect. Yeah. That's like the principle of like the big bill account. But obviously yeah. you've got this specifically just for childcare, which is great. I mean, I must admit I have more than the four accounts myself. Yeah. I have, um, you know, I, I've added to mine um, – what I call my capital expenses account yeah. because life does throw you a few <laughs> a few lemons sometimes. Um, yeah. One year, you know, we had a heater, a water heater that blew up on um, uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, oh, my God. And getting a tradie out to fix that <laughs> over Christmas, oh it cost a fortune. Um, so little things like that, they happen or it could be something as small as, you know, actually had a good friend, her toaster actually was on fire. So oh my God. <laughs> I had to replace that. You know, there's things that, you know, that happen all the time or it could be little things that, you know, you replace sheets every so, you know, so often or you may need a new pillow and you're going, well, this isn't food and, you know, yeah. it's not exactly a me expense. I need, you know, a pillow yeah. so I don't get a crook neck. So sometimes having a little buffer for things like that is really important too. Yeah, that's a good idea. Is there a limit? Like, does it, like, I guess if you're not paying extra fees or anything, does it matter how many accounts you have? Absolutely. If you you know, if you were paying a fee to every account, it could obviously be, you know, um, prohibitive to do that. But there's quite a few banks out there and, and obviously that comes from talking to your own bank um, or mm. online accounts, which will allow you to have, you know, fee fee fee-free accounts um and so that's something obviously you know you need to take into account yeah but you can have as many accounts as you like as long as you know it doesn't become too overwhelming and you're able to track it but most of the transfers are really automated um in the US, there's some fantastic tools where you can simply um, have all these different accounts and um, you just have one key card and before you spend something, you tap an app on your phone and it allocates the money to come from the right account. So, oh, awesome. yeah, it's fantastic. I, I'm really hoping it comes to Australia at some point, but that's a really good way and it provides reporting on your budget. Wow, so, that's fantastic. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we're living in an era with all these financial tools coming out. And um, so if you do a Google search of the different things available, you can really be surprised by what's out there. Right. So for someone that isn't very techie, what, mm. what's the best way to sort of start developing a budget? Is it just a matter of doing an Excel spreadsheet? Or? Yeah, start with something like Excel spreadsheet. And as I said, the, the ASIC Money Smart one is a great place to start. So... You know, because some some bills are weekly, some are monthly, some are quarterly, and that allows you to enter it in as it is, and then get an overview of each you know week, fortnight, month, what your total commitments are. So that just takes you know the calculation side away, and you can just focus on what you know about your budget. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other sort of things that people forget to put in their budget that sort of oh. constantly come up? You know, with people going, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, usually it's the ad hoc spending. So things like the servicing of a car, um, you know, or, or, you know, if you pay for someone to get your tax return done, paying a fee on that. Um, 
yeah, most all already is the things like the the personal nature of things. Like it could be purchasing gifts for children or gifts at Christmas time. That side of things, things that you aren't doing on a you know fortnightly basis or monthly basis or less, they tend to get forgotten about the most. Yeah, I I don't think I've got any of those in my budget. Yep. <laughs> You know, I sort of joke about the hairdressing stuff and with three kids, you know, I really want that to be part of my budget, but the time factor doesn't allow it. So <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I'll budget it in when I've got the time to actually spend money on that. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for those who are trying to get by on a low income mm-hmm. and, you know, they've done their budget and they've gone, oh, God, um, you know, it's not quite the outgoings are a lot more than the the incomings. Mm. What are some ways that we can cut spending? Okay. So, well, once you've identified all the different expenses, um, it really is a matter of going through line by line and looking at need versus want. Um, so a lot of people have things like um, gym subscriptions. Um, and even if you use them, you thought, well, you know, it's great to have that outlet. And um, But you don't need a gym to exercise. Um, it certainly does make it easier, but... You know, it is an expense, and um, all these things like, um, and but it's not always necessary to cut an expense. It is possible to reduce an expense, so it could be a matter of just dropping to a lower package. Yeah, and that's true of things like you know Foxtel. You know, you can eliminate it, or you could drop to a lower package. Um, things like um, childcare. Um, there, you know, childcare is one option. Sometimes there are better alternatives out there for families. Sometimes um, they may not have explored the cost of, say, having an au pair if they've got yeah. the room and if that's financially viable for them. Or, well, especially if you have more than one child. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you're working full time, things like yeah. that because of the caps. So there's things like that, or if you are really good friends with, you know, another family who live in your area and your your kids attend the same childcare or the same school, simple things like maybe um, carpooling, you know, taking turns means, you know, you can avoid the extra fuel in the car, you know, tolls on the road, that side of things, just every little bit helps. Um, And also talking to your providers, whether that be, um, you know, uh, home insurance or car insurance and calling them up and asking for a better deal. Yeah, people get very comfortable, don't they? And sometimes you just need to shop around and get a new change, have a change. Absolutely. I mean, I went through a stage where I started off on my mobile phone package was always around about $60 per month and it slowly creeped up based on a deal that you know looked really good at the time. And I was looking at my usage and I never came anywhere close to my cap. So I, you know, um, spoke to, you know, my phone provider and said, well, look, I actually really don't need this. And, you know, I had to wait till the end of the contract, which was another six months. But when I did that, you know, I dropped to a lower plan and I started saving $50 a month, you know, that's, you know, $600 a year. It's really quite significant. So, so I definitely need my mobile phone. I'm not getting rid of that, but I really didn't need the plan that I was on. Yeah. So, yeah. So assessing each expense going, Hey, do I need it? Or, maybe I could even cut this expense. Yeah. And even asking your family and friends what kind of deals they've got going on with things like phone service providers or health insurance or car insurance. There's so many different options. Mm. That's true. 
And um, even if you've, if you know if you've got a mortgage, approaching you know a mortgage broker and asking them if you've got the best deal that you could possibly have, you know that could um, you know give you some serious savings as well. Yeah, apparently a good mortgage broker should be following up with you every twelve months for a review. Yeah, they yeah they can do that. I mean, if you've fixed your loan, then um, odds are that you'll probably keep things fairly steady um, because that's, you know, you can face some serious break costs if you um, break a fixed loan contract. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if if you lock in a really good rate, then, you know, that's fantastic. You you know, you've got a really good idea of what your mortgage commitments are going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, Sometimes on the finance side of things, you know, if you do have a lot of, you know, non-home loan debt, so things like, you know, credit card debt that you're not on top of or a car loan or a personal loan, um, you know, if you're paying a really high rate of interest, then another way to sort of free up the cash flow in the budget is to bundle that in the mortgage, which can be a really good thing and a really bad thing depending on what you do with the change. Yeah. So the interest rate on a home is going to be you know, at the moment that could even be, you know, 4% at the moment versus, you know, 16, 20, 30% for some credit cards. Wow. So um, that'll save you a lot of money. But the key is not to stop making the repayments you were before because if you pay off a two or $3,000 debt over 30 years on a low interest rate, it's going to cost you a lot more in the long run than, you know, the 16 to 17% over a couple of years. So, yeah. because the interest just keeps on happening. So, the key is just to keep up the same level of repayments and get ahead that way. Yeah, okay. You know, in terms of when, you know, you do have spare capacity in your budget, you know, in, in terms of having any debt, um, you know, it's really good to be saving, but you've also got to be aware of any high interest debt that you may have. So there's not much point saving earning, you know, two or 3% in the bank when you've got a loan where you're, you know, being charged, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent plus. You're far better off paying down that debt. Um, but you still need those emergency funds there uh, because otherwise, if you really are in a bend, you've got to make sure that you've got to be able to fund that expense and, and sometimes paying off, say, extra payments on a car loan, you can't get that money back if it's really needed. So it's finding that balancing act. Yep. Okay, for sure. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways we can save money or make sure we can sort of set out and see out the, ga- the our saving goals? Yep. Well, first thing is to get really clear about what your goals are. So, you know, whether that's, you know, I want to have, you know, X amount in my savings account by Christmas, for example. Um, So you've got to identify what it is that you want to achieve in the first place and make sure it is something that really is achievable and it's something that you can track. So if you know you have to set aside $20 a week, then set aside $20 a week via a transfer. Make it happen automatically. Um, That's the key on that side of things. The other thing is to also, you know, um, plan things a little bit better sometimes. So, for example, um, I see a lot of people save for Christmas by using, you know, Hamper King or or Crisco or or those kind of things. And it's a great idea in itself. Uh, But if you would actually look at what money that you set aside, you'll find that if you put that same money in a bank account, even if you're only transferring a couple of dollars a week, you'll have far more money in your pocket 
and you'll actually get to buy the things that you're actually going to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so many of these hampers, you just see the, you know, like the mini mince fruit tarts or something random. You go, you know what? I am never going to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just making sure that you're getting what you really want. Um, and I think those things are probably targeted at people who are very bad at um, self-discipline when it comes to things like putting money aside for things like that. But you can do it yourself, like you said, with like an automatic transfer or something and you won't even notice. That's it. I think that's the key is try to automate your cash flow as much as you can because most people don't have a lot of time these days. And and if you can just set up an automatic transfer, then that just really takes away having to even think about it, which is great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, limiting your expenses or, or cutting expenses, you know, that's only one side of the, uh, the equation. You know, the other side is sometimes there's opportunities to earn extra income by, you know, taking on a few new habits. So, you know, there's lots of different things that you can do there. So, um, you know, if you have, um, if you're somebody who works shift work, um, you know, sometimes the little difference of maybe asking to have a shift where there's penalty rates. Yeah. You know, better penalty rates. That's one thing. So you keep you just change your week a little bit. Um, and that's got two sides to it usually, especially if you're single and you're working, um, you know, penalty rate shifts. Not only are you earning more, but you're also working on, an, you know, a day or an evening where people are more, you're more likely to otherwise go out and spend money. <laughs> so yeah. it actually works two ways. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, other things are, um, you know, maybe adding a, an extra half an hour to the working day if that's possible. Um, eBay, that's a big, big, you know, favorite of mine. If you've got things that you don't need rather than just, I guess, let it clutter your lives, just, you know, sell it on. Even if it's, you know, not a a huge amount, it makes a difference. Yeah, Um, totally. There's, there's groups like that on Facebook as well for certain areas, like swap, sell and buy groups where you can just post a picture and a price of something and someone will come and pick it up mm. pretty quickly. Absolutely. I mean, because, I mean, the key things that I see is, I mean, I see a few clients and I'll find that I could have couples earning, you know, really good high level of income and, and no children sometimes and they can struggle to save. Whereas I can have couples with, you know, a few kids in childcare and, you know, their income's not nearly as good, but they, you know, have a really good um, discipline towards money and are able to save. So it really comes down to the habits that you put in the place and the headset that you put around it. Yeah, it's so true. And yeah, I mean, other ideas are things like, um, you know, some people I know, they take on a little bit of, you know, babysitting other people's kids. Some people will use a professional babysitting service. But, you know, I also know mums who, you know, babysit each other's kids for either free or they'll say, hey, well, I'm going to take on a couple. Do you mind paying me a little bit for that? Putting up your hand and asking. Um, and then they'll return the same favour but it's good to know that it was people that you care rather than, you know, someone that you may not know so well. But it's an opportunity to earn a bit of extra money. Um, or save the money, like you said, if you're swapping. That's right. Mm. Um, if you love walking dogs, you could do a letterbox drop. Um, and, you know, or, you know, weeding people's gardens, things like that. That's jobs that people always want to do, but sometimes they hate doing it, especially the weeding. So yeah. <laughs> little ways just to earn some cash in hand, you know, Tupperware, you know, all those little different, um, I guess, party sales type things. They're all different ways to bring in, um, bring in money. I know when I was on 
maternity leave at one stage. I signed up and I did the whole Tupperware thing and it wasn't so much to earn the extra money. It was because I really wanted discounted Tupperware. (laughs) (laughs) I love my pantry now. Um, And every time I got money from a party, it went purely straight back onto Tupperware. So I have a Tupperware kitchen to die for and it did not cost me a cent. So so there's things you can do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Airtasker, that's becoming really big here in Australia, um, you know, and it could be a handyman job or if you're, you know, a handy woman, you can do something like that. But a lot of things could be, you know, writing blog content or, um, you know, designing a logo for someone. There's all sorts of different things that people need help with and you just post on there and you can earn a little bit of money on the side. Yeah. No, I like those sort of websites. I use them quite a bit. Yeah. I think as well, when people get a um, pay rise, sometimes they sort of adjust their lifestyle to the new pay rise yes. and a better option might be to just immediately just pretend you don't even have the pay rise and transfer that extra money into a savings account or, you know, making extra repayments on that credit card or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the key is um, if you have that money coming into like a disposable, I guess, income account, then, you know, odds are you tend to spend what's there. That's what most people do. So the key is usually to siphon it off to somewhere where you're not going to see it, which could be that, you know, cash um, bucket account approach or, you know, for some people, they might contribute a little bit extra to their super out of their pay so they don't even see that. Um, I have uh, one guy I know, He the, the day one of entering employment, he set up a salary sacrifice to his super of $100 a fortnight. And he's never known any difference in his net pay because it's always happened from day dot. He's 30 years old now. Um, he's not earning an overly huge amount of money, but he has over $100,000 in super as a 30-year-old. <laughs> so, wow. So that's yeah. fantastic. So automated savings habits really are um, quite successful because you don't you, you do adjust to your spending. I think, um, I mean, you sort of mentioned it before as well, um, people some people who are earning really good money mm-hmm. and they really struggle to save it really baffles me sometimes and I don't understand it but I think the key from what I'm hearing the key is doing a budget because if you don't have that budget you're never going to be able to save and perhaps that is why these people are struggling uh yeah I, I 100% agree um and you will also find that people, um, you know, they don't, they're not really appreciating the value of um, their income and what they're able to earn. So, yeah. and because because they don't have that budget, and they're not ad- identifying their expenses. And um, I've had people come in, and you know, we've looked at their budget based on what they thought their expenses were versus the, at their income. I remember this one couple. We found a sixty thousand dollar gap of expenses each year. We, they did not know where it was going, so that oh was huge. Um, so, and you know, after going through bank statements and having a look at, you know, we we worked out where everything was going, and you know, there was savings capacity of maybe ten a year, but that was a huge, huge gap, and it was a real eye opener. Um, for them to understand where their money was going. And a lot of it was discretionary. They really enjoyed it. And then you had to make the call on it and saying, okay, do you truly appreciate or value this item that you're spending money on? You know, yeah. if if you really do appreciate it and value it, you need to acknowledge it that this is something that you, you know, you should be grateful that you've got the ability to do this. You know, and that could be whether it's, you know, art supplies or the ability to go out for breakfast every weekend or things like that 
Yeah. Um, but if you go, you know what, if this is getting away my goals, what is more important to have this sort of floating along lifestyle or to actually get to the point where I've actually got true financial independence and using that money to build to a point where that money can start working for you and rather than you working for 100% of your money. Yeah. I know that before I had children, or before I had my child, um, I was working as a mining engineer and I was earning really good money. And I was, before I met my daughter's father, I was living in this gorgeous um, apartment. You know, I had a great life, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really saving anything at all. Mm. And I don't know where my money went. I really don't. And I think it's because I wasn't budgeting because I had, I was so comfortable with the money that I was earning. I I just felt like I didn't have to worry. Like, you know, I didn't have any goals and I was a lot younger and I mean, you know, it's the beauty of hindsight, but (laughs) now like I, I feel like now, even though I'm earning a lot less and I have a lot more expenses, I feel like I'm still a bit more financially, um, you've got a little bit more freedom and you feel like you're achieving more. Yeah. And I've like, I'm actually saving money and I wasn't before, even though, you know, I'm not earning a lot. And I mean, now (laughs) that I've been made redundant, I'm not earning anything. So everything's sort of on hold. But when I was like, you know, I was still finding money to save. And because I, because I had my budget and I was very strict with myself on how I spent my money. Yeah, absolutely. And prioritizing, as you were saying. That's it. Um, yeah, the 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 key really is that budget, and and as I said, you know, um, the best thing you can do is just commit to getting one started, and understanding that just because you've made a budget doesn't mean um, you know your your money issues are taken care of. It still requires a you know ongoing application to you know only spend on what you need or what you've agreed to spend within the budget, and you know and adjusting it as you go along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'll have to change it as certain things in life change. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that we do for clients too is um, I'll have someone come in to me because I'll see a mortgage broker and they'll say, you know, this is what the bank will lend you. And the person will come to me and go, well, the bank says I can borrow this much, but how much actually should I be borrowing? So that's sometimes what we will look at people and we'll manage expectations around that side of things. And then also model down the track of going, well, you know, if you want to have kids in three to four years time, you know, and you're telling me you want to take a year off work or become a stay-at-home parent or return to work part-time, all these different things, we give them the options and show it says, okay, well, here's your budget, but let's, you know, turn off the income here for 12 months or add in the cost of childcare. And what happens then with your current debt commitments or other commitments? And it, it can be quite a shocking process for people. And so you go from this, oh, I really want this house. It's so beautiful. It's got everything I always wanted to going, well, that home, yes, that's true. Maybe everything that you ever wanted, but it may be what stops you from being able to stay at home for your kids for a couple of years. And some people go, well, actually, that is more important to me. So they might, you know, swings and roundabout, they're able to make a decision around what is really more important because, you know, a home is a big asset to purchase. And once you're committed, well, you know, you're fairly well committed to yeah. it and it's an expensive process to sell and purchase, you know, to buy and sell property. So that's just throwing money down the drain if you're doing that regularly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. I just wanted to talk about super for a second because you mentioned it sure. before. How, how important is it for, you know, women in their 20s, 30s and 40s to 
you know, put money being, into super. Yeah, and being or, actively engaged with it. Yeah, um, yeah, it is actually really important um, because you know the, the studies will show that women actually have a lot left, um, a lot less super by the time they retire than men do. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. You know, women, you know, on average aren't earning quite as much, and we're also the primary caregivers more often than not. So that's time out of the workforce, and you're not earning super. And the other aspect too is that we live longer. So we're going to spend more time in retirement. So we Mm. end up with less, but we actually need more than men do on average. So... So it's it's a very important issue. So um, there are a lot of tools out there where you can enter in. This is my age, you know. This is my current super balance. This is how much I earn, and this is what you know my employer pays me or anything extra I do. Where will that take me to? Um, and you know, most people are usually on target for maybe half of what they need or less, or what sorry, what they really want. So, um, quite scary. it is, um, so putting a little bit extra aside, if you can do it, um, you know, it does a long, you know, it does, goes a long way to bridging that gap. So the, when you talk about money actually working for you, you know, that could be, you know, investing in super, it could be investing in shares, it could be purchasing a, you know, an investment property, anything where you don't actually have to get out of bed um, and that money creates more money, you know, that's kind of what you want at the end of the day. And super is the main vehicle for a lot of people and because, you know, their employer will pay it for them. Yeah. Um, So if you can put in a little bit more earlier on, that money will earn interest and then that interest earns its own interest and it just compounds over time. So um, the more time you have to let it do that, the better off you usually are long run because at the very end, you know, the commitment to try to get there, you can put a lot of money into super um, if you can work your way around the contribution caps. <laughs> yeah. And um, But because it doesn't have much time in there, those last-ditch efforts usually aren't nearly as effective as to just to finding something you can commit to earlier on. Because the government does some sort of a matching system, don't they, if you contribute extra? Yeah, there's been um, co-contribution. Um, has been something that's been around for a number of years. Um, there's things like um, if you've got a couple and there's a stay-at-home parent, there's tax rebates for the um, the spouse um well, the working partner putting money into their spouse's account if you're under certain income limits. Um, salary sacrifice allows you to put money in pre-tax. There's all sorts of, you know, um, diff- there's quite a few different options out there to build your super and which one suits you. It really will depend on, you know, your income levels and your situation at the time. I just wanted to make a quick um, comment on super as well mm. for anyone that's listening and is going through a separation. Mm. It's really important to include the super in the financial asset division because a lot of women are not aware of it and their husbands might have been working their entire um, marriage Mm -hmm. and the women haven't because they've been sort of you know put their careers aside to raise children and they have very minimal super in there so it's just something to be aware of as well that you're actually entitled to. Yeah. Well, if you're going through um, using a solicitor or you know getting some sort of legal advice, yeah, a good lawyer should 
you know, uh, should bring that up for you. But of course, not everybody uses a lawyer. So absolutely, you know, anything that's been earned during the course of the marriage, you know, like super and mortgages and all sorts of different things. um, It all needs to be reviewed to find something that's fair and equitable. Yeah. Um, What do you think about saving for, well, are there any other sort of long-term saving things we should be thinking about like I was specifically thinking about children's education but you know is there anything else and is that important or yeah yeah children's education um you know it it will also depend on on what kind of school that you want your kids to go to so um you know it varies by I guess state city and and whether you're going for public or private so you know if you've got your heart set on sending kids to like an independent or a private school then the costs are going to be you know far more than you know your local public school so Mm. Um, if you're someone who's used to paying childcare <laughs> so, and you yeah. go straight into a similar fee structure, then, you know, it, it's just, you know, business as usual, I guess. But yeah. that's actually something that I do help a lot of my clients with. Um, we put in place saving plans where people can set aside a little bit of money and then an ongoing amount each month so that when their child, you know, usually starts high school or something similar, that that account can then be turned around and drawn down on to cover school fees each year, sometimes all of it, or at least a really good solid chunk of it. Um, there are um, a few, I guess, providers there out in the market. Um, I'd say, you know, a lot of people have seen those ones in the mall where they're, you know, got those arrangements talking about, you know, funding for future education. Yeah. Um, I would say go into that with your eyes wide, wide open. Um, I know a few of those where if your child does not go to university, um, because of the fees and the reward structure of how it works, you would have been far, far better off putting your money under the mattress because you'll actually lose out to inflation and such. Yeah. So, um, and they don't offer much flexibility because not every child wants to go to university. Some may want to start their business, some become tradies, and some just simply don't know what they want to do. (laughs) So, Mm. um, so you really do need flexibility. Um, So, that is something that we work with people. They do kind of suck you in. And I remember when I went to a baby expo, I think, Mm. when it was either when I was pregnant or when my baby was, you know, when my daughter was a baby. And they just try to, I don't know, they do suck you in. This guy ended up coming to my house to like try and talk me into this scholarship thing. And um, yeah, I can see again why people who don't have discipline to put money aside, Mm. um, why that would be very appealing. But, you know, if there's other options, I guess, like you said, there are other options that people should consider that will give you more flexibility. Mm. Absolutely. Because, I mean, sometimes it's some, uh, you know, uh, I guess a really good way to save money is, you know, if you're paying interest on a mortgage, a lot of the time, you know, just having that extra money in the mortgage is, um, it could be a better financial outcome for a family to put that money there instead. But the problem with that is, is the savings for your child, you know, trying to keep that clear and separate against your other savings can be really difficult. And that's why these sort of scholarship savings programs are really attractive to people because they don't have to think about it and it's kept set aside from any other savings that they might have and it's got that feel good aspect to it as well 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, if you talk to, you know, an advisor or someone qualified to give advice on those areas, that's something that they can actually give you advice. And yes, you know, you'll likely pay a fee for the advice, but, you know, if it's the difference between, you know, spending 10 or 15 years saving to get a break-even stance versus actually being financially ahead, then, you know, the, the fee is often going to be well worth it. And you've actually learned something rather than yeah. just being sold a product. Yeah. I know that my, my plan is, I mean, ideally I'd like to send my daughter to a private school mm-hmm. in a high school. I won't be able to afford it for, uh, for, pub, for primary. Um, but I thought if I could just continue paying the fortnightly payments uh, that I would be paying account. Account. Yeah. yeah, and then I'll have to give you a ring when that time comes to put it properly into an account that's, you know, earning some good interest and things like that. But then by the time she is in year seven, I'll already have – you know, a good chunk of money and they're ready to go. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's um, – and the good things about these different structures, if you ever hit, you know, a really um, sore spot or got into financial trouble, you know, these are things that you can usually access with minimal penalties as well as opposed to, you know, these other ones where it may be locked away or, you know, you – you know, incur huge fees and, and you just yeah. want to re- regret it. So the last thing you want to do is have is all the regrets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are there any other things that you think are important to save like for the long longer term that sort of aren't on the agenda, people's agendas, you know, maybe right now? Um, I think, you know, yeah, the key is getting started with the budget and covering, you know, your short-term regular expenses, your annual ones. So, we, yeah. you know, we've covered through that. Um, future expenses, you know, if, whether that's saving for a home, um, you know, kids' education and, of course, the eventual retirement. Um, the other thing I you know, we mentioned is about having that savings account. And I think that really should be two parts to that savings account, which is your things that you plan to spend money on, like a holiday or having an emergency account, but also putting money towards actually building something that where that money is actually going to go and make you further money. So whether that is, yeah, you know, purchasing an investment property or getting some shares or some other kind of investment, I think that's a really important thing to set up that savings habit. Even if you have to take a pause, so be it. Yeah. But as long as you commit to doing something um, that's going to make you money down the track, that's the key to financial independence. It's when you really don't have to work for money anymore. And a lot of people don't get there until, you know, they have their super. Um, but, you know, if you can get there beforehand, that's fantastic. It really gives you choices. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. I think that's all I really wanted to ask you. Is there anything else that you that you thought is worth mentioning? No, I think I think we've covered everything, and um, because people's situations are a little bit unique, so these are obviously very generalised ideas. Um, but you know, my only suggestion would be, you know, if you want some help, seek help. Um, you know, give it a go on your own. But you know, if you're finding it's not quite working, and at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. So, um, and there are people, you know, out there like myself whose job it is to help people and assess. Um, their situation and then personalize that advice to them. So if that's something that they need, then yeah, that's something that they should do. Okay. And um, they can contact you again at Tiffin & Co if um, they'd like to get your financial advice? Absolutely. Okay. So I'll put a link to the, uh, I might put your email address up there and a link to Tiffin & Co. Um, 
I think I've got some work to do on my budget. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Most people do. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again today. I really appreciate that. No worries, that's okay. You're welcome, Julia. <laughs> All right. See you, Catherine. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. That was me talking with Catherine Hayes from Tiffin & Co. about budgeting and savings. I think we've all got some work to do in that area. I'd love it if you could take 30 seconds to rate this podcast in iTunes and write a review if you like. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. Speak to you next week. Have a good week. Bye.